I think cognitive dissonance plays a big role, right? We have this dis- disconnect from uh, the, the piece of meat on our plate and the animal that mm. that's come from. Mm. Uh, many of us don't get the opportunity to spend time with or, or understand or, or develop empathy for the quote-unquote food animals that we're eating, right? And so we, we love dogs and cats and the idea of eating them is, is horrific, right, to most of us in or at least Western culture. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, that was a rough start. Yeah. Alrighty, guys, welcome back <laughs> to Adventure Radio. Are we going to keep that in? We are um, the yawn. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> half half the same. <laughs> I just uh, just started with a nice big yawn. Yeah. Actually, guys, nice, nice big, big stretch, stretch and yawn. <laughs> stretch and a hummel. <laughs> and uh, so, what we've got for you guys today, we have Thomas King. I actually found Thomas King when I was at a. Uh, it was a similar to like a TED talk. It was called Real Big Things. Yeah. And our travel agent, Rachel, she, um, she, her brother runs it. Mm-hmm. And I went there and I sat down and the topic was the future of uh, food and booze. And it had a dude from Deliveroo that was talking about like the future of food delivery, epic meals in like 10 minutes delivery by drones and all this business. Oh, whatever. Sh- yeah, uh, yeah. real Amazon yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Real futuristic uh, yeah. Jetstones kind of. Jet, Jetstones? Jetso- jet- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jetstones. Yeah, yeah, the Jetstones. Dinosaurs driving around in fucking flying cars. Um, oh. Dinosaurs driving around in flying cars. Have oh. you seen the Flanstones? Stop <laughs> 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 that up anymore. <laughs> The Flanstones. Um, <laughs> um, so, anyway, oh. I saw him at um, saw him at this thing, and uh, oh, Jesus was good. But um, he was talking about uh, basically the future of ethical meat production. Yeah. Um, so, growing meat in a vat effectively. Mm. So, making sure that we're not killing. Um, Unnecessary animals for the um, the doing of the meat. Obviously, we'll kill necessary animals yeah. if we, if we and, must, and we'll definitely keep doing meat. Yeah, no, but um, <laughs> and um, and also um, talking about obviously the environmental impact on the um, on the planet. So this show, we just sat down with uh, Thomas and uh, and we had a great chat, and you guys going to love it. You That's guys going to love it. Um, so this show, guys, is brought to you by the guys at True, uh, also known as True Protein. They're very true. They're very honest. So, uh, guys, True Protein, I believe, is the best tasting protein on the market. You know why? What's that, Bill? Because it's the best tasting protein on the okay, market. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll just sit back and relax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sit back and relax, my friend. <laughs> I've got this. The, uh, yeah, enjoy uh, the True Protein. <laughs> yeah. But, um, guys, so we've been using True Protein for bloody ages. They've got over 100 products in their range. They've got all sorts of um, supplements for... Um, for protein, uh, I believe they've got creatine. They've got um, immune stuff. Jeez, I'm really good at ex- explaining that. But well, they've got a hundred products, so they've, they've got to have it all. Yep. But, um, but in all in all honesty, guys, um, True Protein are great. They're a sponsor of the show. We've been using protein. So uh, did I tell you about one of the other um, ads I ran back in the day? I was talking about Anu. Have you met my house cleaner Anu? Wait, well, say that again. My Mexican house <laughs> no, Anu. No, no, I didn't say Mexican. <laughs> oh, did my my house cleaner Anu. Oh, house. Cl- oh yeah. shit, I can see. <laughs> yeah, did you know my little Mexican Anu? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What does he do? Oh, he's, he's my Mexican. He's, yeah. he's, he's a Mexican. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. Makes burritos, I don't know. Is that... Um... <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Are we on the edge here? I don't think so. Yeah, we're teetering on the edge. We're teetering on the edge, yeah, yeah but we're not going nuts. No, no. Yeah. We're, we're mildly stroking the edge of the... The hummel. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're not, we're not, we're not uh, implying anything. No. Apart from the fact that... We haven't gone too deep in the hummus. In the hummus, yeah. <laughs> Potentially the huabasi. <laughs> Um, so, in all seriousness though, guys, I spoke to my mate Anu. He said to me, he, he called me up and he said, Bill, my partner wants, uh, my partner, in Spanish, of course. Of course. Bill, mi patreno necesito una proteína y posible cocaína también. No, but he asked me, he's not Mexican, by the way. Oh, what is no, he from? He's just, he's just. Arno. Oh, he's, Arno. he's not Mexican at all. He's probably third generation Australian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, he probably speaks like this. But Arno asked me what the best protein was in the market. This is about two months ago before we were partnered up with True Protein. You know what I told him? No. 
Recovery X. Recovery X protein. Second true protein. <laughs> yep. No, <laughs> no. Nah, Recovery X doesn't exist. I told him true protein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the which is fit travel range is putting out a protein product soon, I think. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah. that could be competitive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, in all seriousness, guys, I've been using pro- uh, true protein for ages now. Um, I know Ben and James uh, really well. Those guys are great. And um, they've got tons of awesome athletes that jumped on board and, uh, and, and used their protein. And they're really just really great at what they do. They do have a vegan range for all you veganarians out there. Um, and, uh, veganos. Yeah, yeah, all you veganos. We prefer veganos. Yeah, yep. los veganos. Los veganos. Um, as Anu would say. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> So basically, if you want 10% off their whole entire range, then you can do that by using the code ADVF. Make sure you do, and uh, you'll be supporting AdventureFit and True Protein, the best in the business. Love it. So, we're also brought to you by AdventureFit Travel, guys. Head to www.adventurefittravel.com. You'll see everything we've got there. You'll see all of our podcasts. You'll see all of our trips we have coming up. We've got some epic trips coming up. We're about to release... um, we're about to release a bunch of trips for next year. So Everest Base Camp is back on the radar. That's going to happen in March. I feel like I'm going to do that one. I just feel like it's the funnest way to do do trips. They're just mm. the best, the, the ones you just get out and you hike and you work hard and you, and you walk and you talk and you make friends. Anyway, 10% off using the code radio at www.adventurefittravel.com. Here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. And that's it! Yo! Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where do we come from? Are we low-headed aviators? What is the future of the human race? How many do you want to live? I did. Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Here we are. Welcome back to Adventure Radio. Yes. We welcome are, uh, back. We are here with. Um, is that really loud in anyone's ears? Mine's very loud. Welcome back to Adventure Radio. Oh, I've overdone that. That's uh, that's for, that's for damn sure. No. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> Let's try it again. Alrighty, welcome back to Adventure Radio. We Ooh, are sitting here ready. with um, oh, no, I've got a little bit of Thomas time. Thomas King. Okay. And uh, and we're off to a rough start. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before we uh, before we welcome Thomas in and let him introduce himself, uh, we're going to go as usual. Throw <coughs> over to Tommy for uh, a little bit of Tommy's tribute. Excellent day. Alrighty, welcome aboard, Tommy. I'm excited. Yeah, you should, you should be slightly fearful, mostly excited. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do um, Black by Pearl Jam. So we'll see how this one goes. <clears throat> It's going to be annoying. Just give it a little twiggle when you can, mate. Fucking ourselves up Ooh, and all I thought was that To get some protein Ooh, if I became a vegan Will I become a plant-based fiend? Well, my stomach loves chicken and pork ribs what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. All I want to do is chow down on some bacon, but prove me wrong. 
There you go, mate. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Uh, wow. We went right into high gear there. Uh, yeah, that was a nice one, Tommy. Good stuff. Thank you, mate. Um, Be flat. Yeah, Be yeah. Flat. yeah. Um, Thomas, mate, welcome, uh, welcome to Adventure Radio. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, great to have you here. As I as I was talking, um, mentioned before we started recording, I saw you presenting at um, Real Big Things, and I was blown away. Uh, so why don't you tell us and uh, and everybody listening what it is that you do? So I direct an organisation in the sustainable food tech space. We work to accelerate new protein innovations, plant-based and cell-cultured meat or clean meat Mm -hmm. because our current food system is broken and it is not going to be able to feed the world in coming decades. Mm. So we need to find new ways to produce the foods people know and love and need Mm -hmm. uh, but without the same adverse negative consequences and that's what we're all about and I look forward to discussing it all with you. It's the most amazing concept. Very uh, fair. Yeah, I mean, it's it's science at its utmost. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Like because yeah. obviously, the whole thing is we're we're killing two birds with one stone here. We're not only physically and yeah, yeah, yeah. analytically. Yeah. Like so, what what are the what are the where did this all start actually for you? Like where did where did it start? What got you into this? Like where did it all come from? I was a, a very passionate and very naive 13-year-old who learnt about a problem happening in Southeast Asia to do with deforestation yeah. over there. And I have always had a pretty strong sense of, of justice and, and uh, opposed injustice. And so when I learnt that this was happening and that our choices in the West were contributing to it, I was... Uh, very angry, very sad, very frustrated and so I ended up telling everyone about this problem and I thought if I could create a platform that that uh, could be shared then my voice can be amplified and so I, I launched this website about uh, palm oil, unsustainable palm oil production in Southeast Asia and it uh, was something that I started just kind of sharing with friends and family um, I was that, you know, family member at Christmas who won't stop going on about yeah. the problems in the world. You were just 14 rather than 48. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and <coughs> next thing, the site uh, picked off and went global and became the highest ranking site on palm oil in the world. Mm. And uh, that was kind of my entry into the space. And as it happens with these things, you learn about one issue uh, and then you learn about another and you get invited to this protest or speak at this event Mm -hmm. or meet this person. And so from there, my um, kind of perspective of of the world and um, the problems we face, but the opportunities we face as well became uh, broader. And Mm. so I went from kind of forest conservation into climate change, I was really lucky to to go to uh, Greenland, go to the Arctic Mm -hmm. uh, for an IMAX documentary about climate change. Uh, Did some work in poverty alleviation with the Live Below the Line campaign, Mm -hmm. uh, heading up their communications. So they raise about one and a half to two million dollars a year through a peer-to-peer fundraising campaign where Australians eat on uh, $2 a day for five days. So yeah, my friend did poverty it. Line. I remember seeing my friend do it last year. Um, and got to go to Cambodia for that and, and meet some of our partner organisations that we help to help to, to fund, to mm-hmm. help more young people access education and empower them with the tools and knowledge they need to, to escape the poverty cycle. Uh, and then ended up in animal protection, uh, helping to kind of fight for the most uh, exploited individuals in our society. Mm. And... Uh, mm. You learnt that, yeah, we had this this legal system whereby animals' uh, right to protection is based on uh, their our use for them rather than their ability to suffer or their mm. intelligence or their sentience. So based and on how furry and friendly they look. Yeah, to but a degree. How, whether we want them to be our companion animals mm-hmm. or our you know therapy animals or whatever, mm-hmm. or if they're our food or fashion or yeah. entertainment, fashion. they get completely. And it it's doesn't crazy, even have it? to be a different species. So sometimes it is. You know, you if you took a dog in this country and cut off their tail and put them in a cage where they t- can't turn around their whole life, you'll be prosecuted. Mm. If you do that to a pig, it's called pork production. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. And, and even if you were to have a pig, or and a rabbit's a really good example, people have pet, uh, pet rabbits, mm-hmm. right? That have certain legal protection from cruelty. Mm-hmm. Yet if you are a rabbit born into the rabbit meat industry, you don't have any of that those protections. Mm. And so 
these kind of food animals, these production animals are exempt from the same legal protection that our dogs and cats receive. Mm. And so what that leads to is these horrific systems whereby, uh, yeah, animals are deprived of any quality of life, um, never touch grass or, or feel the sun uh, and suffer greatly with all sorts of you know, surgical procedures about pain relief and extreme confinement also that we can we can eat animal products at a, a really low price point mm. um, so yeah i spent eight years realizing what <laughs> all the the messed up shit in our world mm. uh, and <clears throat> the 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 biggest uh, factor the biggest in- industry that i kept identifying that was underpinning every one of these problems whether it was climate change and global deforestation mm-hmm. food insecurity uh, you know global development problems or animal suffering was our food system, in particular yeah. the production, large-scale production and consumption of animals. Mm-hmm. This system where we're growing enormous amounts of, of food, of crops, to then feed to animals to get a smaller end product and using mm. enormous amounts of water in that mm. process as well. <coughs> Pollution comes out the other end. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just, there's so many things wrong with it. From so a inefficient. Health and a sustainability system. Aside, yeah, of, aside, from system. The, aside from the horror that it is yeah, to the animals. it just the doesn't animals. make sense, yeah. right? And so <coughs> what we're starting to realize, uh, and you know, this has kind of led me into the, the food technology space, is that we don't need to use these inefficient, damaging models of food production anymore. People are realizing, actually, an animal is a really, you know, ethics and sustainability aside, an animal is a shit technology to turn plants and water into meat yeah. or milk or eggs. Mm-hmm. And so how can we do that better? Mm. And that's what I became really excited about the more I learned about what was happening in certain parts of the world to basically recreate our favorite foods, mm. but without having to use livestock production as the means to do that. And so I, yeah, I was in the States not even two years ago. Uh, I, I spoke at an event called Nexus Global, Nexus Global Youth Summit in New York, and then went to Effective Altruism Summit in San Francisco. Mm. And in between, I set up meetings with a bunch of these food companies mm-hmm. that I'd kind of read bits and pieces about, uh, but I wanted to learn more about what was happening. And, and my understanding at that point was that there were a group of innovators and entrepreneurs and food scientists who were recreating meat at the molecular level, either using plant proteins and innovative plant ingredients, or by growing meat, but without the animals. So taking cells and put the, putting them in a nutrient bath mm-hmm. to grow exactly like they would on a living animal, except without the, the resource wastes and the pollution that comes with that. Fascinating. And so I was I was excited to learn about this. I, I met with these companies, or a couple of them, uh, sat down, got to try some of the, the, the foods, uh, was taken on tours of their facilities, learn about the kind of investment that they've received in, in the States. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Gates, Richard Branson, Google, mm. Yahoo, uh, the richest guy in Asia, former McDonald's CEOs, two of the biggest meat companies in Northern America, in fact, the world, have yep. invested, and left feeling hugely buzzed, yeah. but thinking, am I going to have to move to the States if I want to get involved with this, or mm. can something be done down here? Mm-hmm. And the more conversations I had, the more experts I spoke to, the more research I did, the more I realized that uh, Australia and New Zealand are exceptionally well-placed to become leaders in this sector and to diversify our already strong food and meat uh, industries, uh, local production and and export markets, to help grow this movement across our part of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the Asia-Pacific is is possibly the most concerning region looking at population and rising meat consumption and so i think the opportunities down here are enormous and that's long story short how food frontier came about there are so many questions <laughs> hey so many questions you know, one of the biggest things that i found fascinating um is why 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 do we need to eat meat like are there evolutionary reasons as to why we actually because we're omnivores are we but like, why do we need to change? Why do we need to eat meat? Yeah. Well, we don't. Okay. Uh, in, in today's world, uh, and in fact, at any point when, when uh, eating a certain food isn't, is no longer a matter of survival, it's a choice, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so the world we now live in, you know, we're sitting in here in Melbourne with an abundance of food options. Yeah, I can Uber, really, I can Uber eat anything at the doorstep right. in five minutes. Right. <laughs> I can eat. Now, had something there. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, I think we uh, <coughs> historically, as, as a race, never used to eat 
uh, meat or dairy or eggs at the levels that we do today. In mm -hmm. fact, it was a fraction of what we eat yeah. today. But since the Industrial Re Revolution post-World War II, um, these industries have grown and grown and grown. And uh, I mean, there's all sorts of factors that have influenced us to get to a level where we are eating, you know, double, triple the amount of, of meat that we were um, you know, 100 years ago. Mm. Uh, one that's interesting to look at is, is uh, you know, post-World War II, if you take dairy as an example, um, d dairy production became more prominent uh, around World War, World War, or both the World Wars, when they were sending canned milk to soldiers, right? High fat, mm -hmm. high, you know. Uh, and then World War II ended, and the government had invested all this money into dairy production. Yeah. And all these people's livelihoods were connected to dairy production. And so what did they the do? The economy. They went, we need to tell people to eat dairy. Yeah. And so the whole three servings of dairy a day started oh. not for nutritional reasons, it started for economic reasons. It's oh. ridiculous, isn't it? And, isn't that and, crazy? And the subsidies that have, that have come, uh, you know, that these industries have benefited from, uh, have just kind of grown since then. And so, anyway, there's all sorts of factors that have led to it. But... You know, it's been decades of marketing, right, that, that has told us we yeah. need to eat certain foods in mm -hmm. order to be happy and healthy. Um, when in actual fact, I mean, from a nutritional standpoint, all the nutrients we need originally come from the soil mm -hmm. and, and are also found in plants. And so, you know, if I, but if I say to you, where do you get your you know, protein or iron? Say meat. If you say, where should you get your calcium from? Dairy. Mm -hmm. Where should you get your omega-3 fatty acids from? Fish. Mm -hmm. Where are fish getting their omega-3 fatty acids from? Yeah. The algae and the phytoplankton, the plants in the ocean that they're eating. So there's an original source of everything. And um, we've That's been taught point. to go to animal sources to get certain nutrients. But in fact, we don't necessarily need to. That said, uh, most people do enjoy those foods. Most people want to eat. And we're, you know, yeah. we're seeing trends where uh, in the West where meat consumption is kind of plateauing and, and decreasing. People are realizing that actually plant-based eating can be uh, at least as satisfying and and nutritional and uh, affordable and that movement's growing you know about 11 mm. percent of australians currently identify as vegetarian or vegan mm -hmm. an additional That's huge, really 24 percent i think uh possibly more 27 percent uh, are in the kind of the reducitarian flexitarian yeah. category flogitarian yeah <laughs> <laughs> no idea vegetarian <laughs> Um, but then there are there are other portions of the world where it's going the opposite, where yeah. you know people are becoming more affluent, and this idea of eating animal products uh, has you shows know, that a affluence. Status symbol, yes, right? that's and right. So people are eating more. So we need to look at how can we how can we produce burgers and sausages and meatballs without the same damaging mm. systems that we've yeah. relied on in the past. And now because of innovation and food technology and human ingenuity it's now possible and that's what i'm really excited about so so let's actually dive into that because that's the that's the most fascinating thing about about it all. i remember when you presented at real big things you stood up there and talked about the vegan burger patty you know and it tastes like meat it looks like meat it's it's as satiating as meat so on and so forth i was like yeah it's not meat you know but it's it's a good alternative you know but the thing and it was it was cool but it wasn't blow my mind unbelievably impressive like what we're talking about with the with the basically to to dumb it down it's growing meat in a lab right like with any new food product it starts in a lab because yep. there's testing there's r&d involved mm -hmm. once it's scaled what it would look like is basically a meat brewery like a mm -hmm. beer brewery right steel tall tanks fermenters mm -hmm. um where the meat is grown and so it's uh, the, the process basically involves taking a, a, a s group of sample cells, so a sesame seed size biopsy, or yep. you know, in the case of uh, Just Foods, one of the companies in the US, they used flesh cells from a feather uh, to Shit. grow chicken, and, and they have this, this <laughs> wow. nifty video where they're basically eating the, the nuggets and Ian, the chicken from which the feather came, is scratching around happily at their feet. Really? Wow. Uh, Ledge, Ian. Yeah. Feather burger. <laughs> Good name for a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, those cells are then put in a nutrient bath, all the same nutrients that would go into a cow or a chicken or a pig, mm -hmm. uh, and those cells grow as if they would on a living animal, um, but without all that resource wastage, without all mm. that pollution, and without a living, breathing 
feeling disease prone animal being involved in that process and so it requires you know 90 less land and water and has no bacterial contamination because of course at the moment uh, when we talk about needing to cook meat well uh, it's basically saying we need to kill the bacteria that's yep. crawling all over it and that bacteria comes from the intestinal tract of animals so in the slaughter process you know you've got shit going everywhere literally yep. and that's what your meat's covered in and so you know, there's uh, studies that have been done pointing to the fact that in Australia, uh, four out of four, five portions of chicken have fecal contamination on them, and that's why we Jesus. literally have to cook <laughs> the shit out of our chicken, yeah, yeah. so we don't get salmonella poisoning, there's no E. coli well, yeah. or Campylobacter involved in that process. So, of course, if you take the animal out of the equation, that's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Also, in intensive models of food production, things like hormones, antibiotics, and other synthetic drugs. Are commonplace and so to be able to eat meat that doesn't have antibiotic residue uh, for example is hugely beneficial mm-hmm. you know we're facing a situation where uh, there are antibiotic resistant superbugs starting to form in different parts of the world because mm-hmm. of our overuse of antibiotics not only yep. in the medical sector but in the food sector the majority of antibiotics are fed to farmed animals so they either grow faster or don't die in these horrendous conditions wow. And so we never then heard, eat that, and, that and consume, come in contact with uh, antibiotic-resistant ba- bacteria. And so, yeah, unless we, we want to face a situation where in 50 years there's you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying from a scratch finger or a, or a tooth infection um, or from having a simple surgery, mm. uh, we need to, we need to fi- fix that, right? And wow. so something like clean meat offers various benefits across the board. Uh, also, from a nutritional standpoint, it seems that there'll be more control over over what that looks like and so you, there's potential to uh, increase more desirable fats in place of less desirable fats for mm-hmm. example so more omega-3s less saturated fat so it'd um, be like um it'd be like meat 2.0 meat just it is meat just better yeah, effectively the the, uh, the founder of uh, memphis meats a guy named umar valetti mm-hmm. who's a cardiologist he has this quote about uh, clean meat being the second great domestication. Yeah. So, you know, we, in our human evolution, we went from kind of hunting to to then herding and domesticating yep. animals. And he says this is the next step in our evolution mm-hmm. is being able to use cell culturing technology to produce meat rather than having to raise and slaughter huge numbers of, of, of animals. It, it's, you know, what's a, I had a fascinating conversation um, with my partner recently about this because uh, she's been so she eats tuna but doesn't eat any apart from she doesn't eat all the other meats um, or dairy so she's tuna but that's about it okay. and um, we were talking about that initially before the show and I just kind of probed her and I just asked her you know why does she eat tuna and she's like oh it's just what I'm doing at the moment but I felt like there was a slight ignorance to actually look at what we do um to actually, you know, um, be able to just to, I guess, almost trick ourselves to think the tuna is okay because I, I read an article recently and I'm not going to say, oh, look at me, you know, here I go. It's only been two weeks in and I actually had a hand crust on about a week ago, which I'm not proud of. Um, but um, I just, you know, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to put myself in the grill here and actually read up um, about, uh, you know, what we actually do to fish and all that sort of stuff. And even the fact if you actually have a, a think about it and you go, oh, okay, they, they have this life in it, this shelf life, this huge shelf life, and they're just being grounded and put into a can. There must be something that's not necessarily, I mean, obviously, yes, it's unethical, but also, like, from a health perspective, um, it can't be that good either. Mm. I was just, I guess it's a long-winded way of me asking, why do we not have a, an empathetical viewpoint to animals that don't kind of look cute? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a whole conversation in itself, really. Yeah. I think um, I think cognitive dissonance plays a big role, right? We have this dis- disconnect from uh, the the piece of meat on our plate and the animal that mm. that's come from. Mm. Uh, many of us don't get the opportunity to spend time with or or understand or, or develop empathy for the quote unquote food animals that we're eating, right? And so we, we love dogs and cats and the idea of eating them is is horrific, right? To most of us in at least Western culture. Mm. Um, but we don't bat an eye at the kind of, you know, cows and, and chickens and pigs. 
and and we kind of believe and have been led to believe that those animals don't have the same complex social emotional lives or ability to feel pain and pleasure that our companion animals do when in actual fact you take a pig and compare it to a dog pigs are three times as intellectually developed they have about the intellect yeah. of a three-year-old human child yeah right? well, think of animal farm <laughs> Man, they're all communists. Yeah. Um, yeah, go on, sorry. That was a true story. Shit gag. I mean, and, yeah. and, and oh. aquatic animals as well. I mean, that, they're possibly the, the hardest, right? Because you can't really uh, pick up and, and cuddle a fish. Mm. Um, but when you start to learn about, uh, about their, their lives and, and um, you know, intellect, there's been many studies that have been done around that. Uh, it does make you start to question our food choices but you know you mentioned from a health standpoint my biggest concern with seafood is the fact that uh, with the amount of heavy metals and microplastics that are now in our oceans like the majority of our oceans if we eat fish that then then come from those aquatic ecosystems we're ingesting that and so again Mm. i won't go on about them but there's many statistics and studies that have been done around the level of uh you know heavy metals mercury uh, microplastic from, you know, um, that comes out of our synthetic clothes, that comes out of our you know, microbeads that are that mm. are in our shower gels and yeah. things like that. Microbeads that end up are big in one. our food system, <clears throat> and then we consume that, right? Yeah. So, jokes on us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then even if you just look from from a, uh, a, a kind of sustainability and a climate perspective, our oceans play an enormous role in kind of uh, helping to. Um, uh, what's the word? Not control, um, but but they play um, a big role in kind of uh, storing carbon and, and, and controlling the climate. And so, if we're destroying those ecosystems, uh, that, which is what we're doing at the moment, yep. I mean, ninety percent UN uh, said that ninety percent of all fisheries are now uh, uh, completely fished or, or overfished, you know, beyond a wow. sustainable point. Yeah. So we have these super trawlers that go out and, and just catch everything that they uh, that they cross and, and that includes a lot of bycatch so if you look at prawns for example you might think oh what's wrong with prawns you know well prawn trawler nets 80 to 90 percent of what they catch are not prawns because if you think about it prawns are very small and so the 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 net that they use is going to catch anything mm, that is bigger yep. than a prawn yeah turtles fish dolphins you name it yeah uh, and that's all grounded and yeah, it's bycatch. So I mean, it d- depends on on the the fishing operation. But a lot of that just gets dumped back into the ocean. A lot of that, but it's just yeah, it's it's, it's raping our marine yep. ecosystems really. So it's it's another pressing reason why we need to find uh, and, and, and well accelerate the the new methods we have of producing seafood without fish. It's just embarrassing hearing it. Isn't yeah, it? it is. It is. It's, it's totally sh- embarrassing. It's shocking. That's insane. It's the more that you talk, the the more you realise this will be one of the greatest revolutions in the history of this will be one of our crowning achievements the t- turning the corner with this ethical meat production yeah. will will be the lead domino in, in fixing three or four of the world's biggest absolutely. problems you know like yep. you said it's it's fa- it's, it's the most ridiculous thing so tell, talk to us uh, talk to us a little bit because we could go on forever about all of this stuff we could talk for five hours talk, talk to us about like where are we actually at? Are we so? Are we looking at just meat? Are we looking at about ten years? Are we looking at can we? Can we? Is it the same exact process with fish, with eggs, with a, any sort of meat product that we protein product source, I suppose that yeah. we eat? And how far off being a reality going down to your local supermarket and walking in and buying it? Are we like talk to us about where we're at? Yeah. So at the moment, what this has looked like is there's been various different uh, companies and entrepreneurs and innovators that have entered this space. Kind of over the last kind of not even ten years, probably eight years. Yeah. A lot of those have started up in uh, the states. There's been a little bit of movement, kind of in Europe, uh, and Israel is another hub for this kind of innovation as well. Uh, like I said, the companies are, are, are working on either one or two approaches. So they're either using plant proteins and innovative plant ingredients, which you know we have explored eight percent of the plant kingdom uh-huh. for protein. So the potential is enormous there. And you know, Bill Gates uh, came out with a, a statement a number of years ago about the fact that our meat market is ripe for reinvention. And he was talking about his investment in uh, Beyond Meat, which is one of the companies creating 
delicious, juicy, nutritional burgers and sausages uh, from plants. And so it might not sound as exciting, but the potential is enormous. And even to see what's already been created by companies like Beyond Meat, Hungry Planet, Impossible Foods, uh, you know, there's Hungry Planet, for example, is one company that did last year some focus testing with a group of people on uh, burger buns, right? And they got them, there were five different burger buns and they got them to, to kind of rate the, the, the each bun and the different um, qualities of mm-hmm. each. And then at the end of the session, they said, oh, what did you think of the patties? And everyone went, yeah, we didn't, they were fantastic, no complaints. Wow. No one knew wow. it wasn't plants. Oh, I'm getting a little bit more excited about this uh, <laughs> this plant-based burger. How do you, how do you justify being a meat eater? Um... I'm, I probably am just d- deliberately ignorant to the fact, like most people, I suppose. I always talk Bring to people mind, like... I'm, to, I'm two weeks into this. <laughs> to, 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 yeah, yeah, this guy. You're not the best person <laughs> out here, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Should be ashamed. Uh, um, no, no. I, um, I mean, I talk to people like Thomas. I watch a documentary like Cowspiracy and, 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 you know, Blackfish. And you've, Blackfish you've, is good. And one of the most damning things is a book that I read the third um, the the, um, the sixth extinction about what we're doing to the ecosystem and I mean I have no leg to stand on because I'm not I'm not incredibly intelligent but I'm not dumb either no you know so it's people like me that should have the the, the biggest black mark on their conscience because I I do understand Good and, I, and I, I don't have I don't have a leg to stand on um, I think it's something that maybe in the future I'll really look into yeah. but I, I just it's not for me, it's not top of mind, I suppose. Yeah. You know, like things that lifestyle change and things that you have to do in your life and you want to... I mean, I could probably just go like that, but so I don't know. I don't, have a, I don't have a leg to stand on, but... When when did you make the change then, Thomas? Uh, it's probably four or five years ago. Yeah. And for me, it was just a, a, a values thing. I mean, the more I learned about these issues and also being on the front line working <laughs> to address these problems, I felt more and more hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wasn't really practicing what I was. The director of Impossible Foods is, uh, is a mate. <laughs> I know food, you're, I know food, you're food, on Impossible Foods, but food, I was just... <laughs> yeah. 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 Food frontiers. Um, food frontiers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, for me, it was just realizing that, that my choices were in conflict with what I believed in. Yeah. Um, and we live in a society where it isn't always the easier route to live in line with our values. Uh, but uh, something like plant-based eating is becoming more and more uh, accessible and, and affordable and satisfying for people. And so, yeah, I just, I, I mean, look, granted, I was a person that would, would vote for meat lovers pizzas when <laughs> ordering pizzas with mates. So great. I, I certainly enjoyed eating those foods. But the more I started to look into the other side of it uh, mm. and the more I started to kind of explore new recipes and eat at new places, I realized actually I'm just as satisfied, in fact, more satisfied because I'm feeling good now about my food choices mm. as I was before and that I can get all the, you know, the, the, the nutritional benefits without a lot of the negative. You know, we kind of talk about uh, the, the, the positive elements of, of animal products in terms of what nutrients they contain but then there's all the things that we don't want in terms of cholesterol and saturated fat and yep. uh, and uh, you know the, the, the residues and the hormones and things I was talking about before mm. um, but it's interesting you know most people don't eat meat because of how it's produced mm. in fact most people eat it in spite of how it's produced they don't want to think about the, the mm-hmm. processes or the impact people eat it because they like the taste, it's familiar, it's affordable and convenient. Mm-hmm. Totally. So the whole theory of change behind this space, looking at new protein innovations, is if you can meet all, you know, satisfy all those same key drivers of consumers, uh, surely that's how you're going to get the greatest number of yep. people moving in the right direction in the shortest amount of time. And so, yeah, what that looks like is is uh, both companies working in the, in the plant-based space and then the cellular agriculture space. Uh, several of the, the plant-based options are already on the market. I mean, and, and look, some have been for decades, but they're very much in that traditional vegetarian alternative category, mm-hmm. um, using a limited number of ingredients and limited kind of technologies to producing it. Um, what 
uh, makes a, a, a Hungry Planet or Impossible Foods stand out from those players is that they're kind of starting from scratch and actually examining meat, saying what are the qualities that make meat taste and sizzle and smell like meat and how can we borrow elements from the plant kingdom to recreate that experience mm-hmm. for consumers at equal or higher nutritional value. And so... Uh, in, in the US there are multiple brands on the market uh, we're starting to see them slowly become available down here and we're working to support those companies with market entry that's part of what we do at Food Frontier mm-hmm. uh, and to make them more accessible you know, healthier more sustainable protein options for consumers uh, and similarly I mean in kind of the, the milk egg space there's a lot of great uh, work being done Obviously, plant, plant-based milks are now readily available. Mm-hmm. They make up about 10% of the milk market, and that's mm-hmm. happened in you know, 15 years. What about the years. poor old almonds? Just getting, just getting milked all day every day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No I one mean, thinks about the almonds. Yeah, that's right. They're cential. Cential. There's new companies in the plant-based milk spa- space that are starting to look at uh, uh, forms of, of pea, <laughs> Uh, protein yeah. and, and even combining multiple plant-based milks to create kind of high-quality uh, milks that baristas can use and and, and whatnot. Uh, and then with reference to eggs, uh, a company called Just Foods, they've just rebranded from uh, Hampton Creek, have spent the last few years recreating our favourite uh, egg-based foods, so mayo sauces, cookie doughs, pancake mm-hmm. mix. They created a, a scramble, a six-plant ingredient. Uh, uh, I think it's six ingredients uh, egg scramble that looks and performs and tastes like scrambled Shit, egg that's awesome yeah. um, and they're one of the big VC backed companies that, that uh, the likes of Gates uh, have gotten behind and they've now entered the, the clean meat space looking at cellular agriculture and so what's happening over there is there have been various companies working for several years now ever since uh, Professor Mark Post who's a, a guy in the Netherlands who created the world's first ever cultured hamburger since that launch there have been several companies that have popped up and it depends who you ask in terms of timeline the most ambitious goal of any company Just Foods is that they'll have product on the market by the end of this year in the States in some forms that could be one restaurant in New York it could be more widely available I'm not sure there are still several uh, uh, areas of the science that need to be worked through in terms of particularly around the scale up of production so it can be affordable to the masses yeah in in terms of it being uh, accessible at any significant level it, it, it could easily still be five years yeah, um, but that's that is the but, blink of but, an eye, realistically. But even that, yeah. yeah. And look, the first products that hit the market are probably going to be a combination of the two, yeah. plant-based and clean meat, mm-hmm. uh, just because of price point and and and, and scales of economy. And so, yeah, I, I'm hugely excited about both. Uh, but there's still so the space is really just in its infancy. Yeah, for sure. Let me let me ask you this. Um, I feel like I feel like the, the biggest game changer. Will, will most likely be the, the clean meat because people then, even though if it smells, tastes, looks, and feels in your mouth like meat with the plant stuff, I feel like people will be a little resistant. Do you find that with the with the plant based stuff, people will still know that they're not actually eating meat? Uh, th- they'll know, but I think that a lot of consumers will choose that option for that very reason. Like mm-hmm. I said to you, most of us donate it because it comes from a slaughtered yeah, carcass a that's been, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, raised yeah. in We're some horrific psychopaths. conditions. That's right. right yep. Really, because we, we, it's, you know, we like the taste. It's just and easy, it's, though. It, it's, it's easy. It's, it's yeah. convenient. It's affordable. And so, if I can still have that same experience, yeah, for sure, and it aren't, and yeah, and have it positive, that, yeah. and it's made from plants. So you know, that's great, and, and it's also got those, you know, those those health benefits as well that a lot of consumers look for. Um, I think with both, there will be a percentage of the population who will embrace embrace them straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a percentage that you know, it's kind of the the bell curve model. I don't know if yeah. you've seen it. You know, the, yeah, the early adopters and the early majority, late majority, and then and so I I, I think that there will be some consumer. Uh, barriers or, or perception uh, to, to, to kind of navigate early on because the idea of eating a burger or a sausage that hasn't come from an animal yeah. is a foreign concept to so a lot of consumers. Right. So, what, so, what are, so what are the big what are the big barriers apart from I've heard whether it was you mentioned or somebody else that I heard talking about similar stuff uh, about the fact that meeting eat from an animal and this is crazy but meeting eat from, from an animal 
uh, from not from an animal, sorry, eat meat from a vat. Basically, is what how people picture it: meat from a lab, clean meat. That it's creepy. I've heard that banded around from time to time. Um, what are the what are the the barriers for people? What what are you actually fighting against with these? Because realistically, if everybody like if you look at it straight down line, if we have clean meat, we have the um, vegan uh, meat from vegetables, obviously, and then we take away all the unethical practices, there's no reason why anyone should not eat this style of meat. But that's not going to be the case. So what are, what are the things that, like, that are going to hold it back? I think that uh, a lot of consumers are hesitant about something that they don't understand. And mm. so that transparency and speaking to what it is, how it's made and what the benefits are will be critical from a marketing standpoint. Yep. Um, what we've seen, for example, in the, the GM space, genetic modification, yep. is that a lot of... Uh, a, a big part of that backlash was, and whether you agree with GM or not, uh, was because industry didn't focus on consumers it was very much about the production efficiencies and not about the end consumers so they went why do we need to talk about what it is and how we're going about it yep. to the people that are consuming the food what do we have it's, to about, try and sell it? it's about the benefits of production from our end yep. not about any benefit for the consumer so we don't need to talk about it and so naturally as human beings we are cautious and or fearful of what we don't understand particularly if it's something we're putting in our bodies mm. And so what's interesting about plant-based and clean meat is that when someone does come back and say, uh, oh, well, isn't that unnatural? <coughs> it offers a great opportunity to start a dialogue about our current food system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great. So let's look at how our chicken is currently made. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A hen is selectively bred to go at three times a natural rate, reach sort of at five weeks of age, is still chirping and has baby feathers and can't support the weight of her own body because she's grown so fast oh. and is fed antibiotics so that she grows even faster and doesn't die from the various pathogens and you know, in, infections that are very commonplace in those unsanitary and, um, and, and you know, dirty environments. Uh, and that flesh will end up being covered in you know fecal bacteria yeah. is that appealing or natural or you know like yeah, yeah so, when, when did a chicken li have a life that lived like that in history past right so what is the barometer by which we're measuring natural mm. um, I think is a, a really good question to look at mm. uh, so look I, I, I think at the end of the day if in 10 years a consumer is walking down a supermarket aisle and they've got two options, one is a piece of chicken that has come from that, that place um, with those environmental and health and ethical implications and the one uh, next to it is a piece of chicken that was grown from cells that has equal or high nutritional value, didn't have the same negative consequences from an environmental standpoint and didn't have to harm uh, any living being in the process of being made, I reckon the, the, the option is pretty clear and that the mm. majority of consumers will gravitate towards uh, yeah, yeah, clean meat. And so it's, it's, it's hard to say uh, as a whole how consumers will react because there's a whole spectrum. Uh, and there's people like you and I who are, who are very much in that innovative early adopter category who are eager to embrace we it. We are very innovative, aren't uh, we? Very innovative. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, he's talking to me, actually. Oh, so I'll, I'll, I'll chop you out of that. I'll yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then there'll be, there'll be consumers who kind of stand back and, uh, and, and observe from a distance and, and give it a shot. But at the end of the day, mm. it's when people try it uh, that... It, it breaks down a lot of those those barriers or misconceptions around mm. the fact that it's not going to be as satisfying. Creepy or, or weird or, yeah. or unsatisfying. Yeah. My, my, my question is, um, do, we, do we absolutely... So I believe we're omnivores as a species. Yeah, so I mean, from a... From a biological, uh, physiological standpoint, we are omnivores in that we can digest both plant and yep. animal protein. So does that mean that we need meat? Do we need meat to survive? Vitamin B12, for example, things like that. Uh, vitamin B12 is the only vitamin that is... So vitamin B12 is uh, bacteria-based. It's found in the soil. Mm -hmm from various agricultural practices we've ruined our soil right yeah. and so there are various nutrients including vitamin b12 where it isn't 
as abundant as it once was. Um, vitamin B12 is the one vitamin where uh, it can be difficult to source from plant, plant-based sources. And so uh, nutritionists, for example, often speak about that being one vitamin they'll recommend people who live on a plant-based diet supplement occasionally. Yep. Some people don't and they're, you know, I never did for a long time and had my B12 tested and it was within the normal range. So really? it depends. But like I said before, every other nutrient is you can get from plant sources. Mm, and in yep. fact, in many instances, it can be more bioavailable, meaning that it is easier to break down and digest rather mm. than having a hunk of steak and our body having <laughs> to, to break that down and, and um, extract certain nutrients. So in terms of us being omnivores, again, similar to kind of natural and unnatural, it's a, it's a spectrum. You know, there's herbivores, omnivores, and carnivores, but there's a lot of you know, nuance in between uh, each of those. Mm. And so if you look at us physiologically, if you look at our teeth, if you look at the enzymes in our saliva, if you look at the length of our digestive tract, if you look at our lack of claws, we are far more... Uh, <laughs> down the end. A bit Wolverine over here. <laughs> Far closer to herbivores than we are carnivores. Yeah, so, yes, we are omnivores in that we can digest both and live on both, similar to dogs or uh, bears or whatever. Whereas a lion, you know, felines need to eat meat in order to survive. Um, so, we have a very long digestive tract, carnivores have a very short digestive tract. Mm. We have flat, grinding teeth and yeah. a jaw that um, can go side to side rather than just up and down like yep. a, a no, T-Rex yeah. or, a, or a Wolverine T-Rex right. um, and so yeah the, 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 there's many different characteristics and again you can read up about it online that suggests that we are far better suited to a, a plant based or at least plant centric diet mm. than we are eating a hell of a lot of meat and, and what we've seen from a health standpoint is that over recent decades, the consequences of eating such high levels of animal products and animal protein and saturated fat are becoming evident oh. um, through various chronic diseases, through you know um, uh, obesity and hypertension and heart disease and certain forms of cancer uh, that have been indisputably linked to various dietary choices, the consumption of, of meat being one of them. Uh, you know, World Health Organization came out a couple of years back and spoke to the fact that you know, they basically did the, the biggest meta-analysis study that had ever been done on the link between meat and certain forms of cancer and concluded that uh, processed meats, so ham, bacon, salami, uh, salami I remember this. are as carcin- they're class one carcinogen. Uh, and that is the same class that arsenic and tobacco yeah. exist in. <laughs> and I remember all the red memes. Meats the memes are, are coming out. Two, so they're a probable carcinogen as well. Yeah. That's, that's I, insane. I remember, I remember exactly that's why when you that came out. Bacon, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I remember. You don't eat bacon, do no, you? No, no. I remember that came out, and everyone was like, "There was all these memes going out on all mm. the social medias. You'll never take my bacon, and all this, yeah. uh, like take, taking the piss out of it." Yeah. I was like, "Hang on a sec. Did you guys not hear what they just yeah. said? Like, it gives you cancer. Fine, you eat bacon, yeah. you fucking idiot. You'll yeah. die. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> that's crazy. insane. Thomas, we've got to be um, obviously, um. Co- you know, conscious of your time. Um, I wanted to ask before, we got three questions from me, three questions from Tommy to wrap it up. I just wanted to ask before we get into that, like where do you see, where would you like to see the world in 20, 50, 100 years? Like what, what do you think, where do you think we'll be at? This is the the short question that we're, we're ending with. Yeah. In, in, uh, one short, in, uh, one, in one sentence, in one sentence, in twelve minutes. seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're talking about in general or with reference to food? Food, particularly food. Food, food my friend. That's what you're here for. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, okay. Let's look at the statistics at the moment. We've got a third of the world's, roughly a third of the world's, land surface and water supply being used for livestock production. Mm-hmm. By mid-century, it's expected that food pr- food production will have to increase anywhere between 70 and 100%. You don't have to be a mathematician to figure out that's not going to work. So it is inevitable that we are moving towards alternative forms of protein. The question is to what extent, you know, what percentage of the market will these non-animal proteins make up? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that once the R&D has past a certain point, once products have been commercialized, once it's at a certain level of scale, and once enough consumers have tried these options, 
we're going to move towards whatever model makes most sense. And mm -hmm. you spoke early on about the fact that ethics and environment and health aside, our current food system doesn't make sense from an efficiency standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a way to produce food that consumers will eat and that is better for the world with far less inputs, why wouldn't you... That's if right. you're a food manufacturer Business. or an investor mm, or a government, support that model of production. Totally. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the tables are going to turn. I think that uh, livestock production or, or products that come from uh, animal agriculture will become the niche. They will become the kind of, uh, you know, there will be a certain portion of consumers who may die out by a certain point. They're probably older generations who may still want to eat uh, products that have, that have that are produced in that way and it probably will they have to pay a premium for that um, within a number of decades because again not having to um, raise and, and, and you know, breed and raise and feed and slaughter and dissect and you know, transport entire animals being mm. such an expensive and resource intensive process once the alternative is at a similar scale mm. it will be far far cheaper yeah, yeah. that's great so actually livestock production will be more expensive mm -hmm. Hopefully, governments will not be subsidising it by that point. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they speak about the fact that in the US, a five-dollar Big Mac would be twelve dollars if it weren't for government subsidies wow. involved in in uh, the production of that product. Wow! And so, I think we'll see a shift over time. But we're in the very, very early stage at the moment, and and you know, Food Frontier is working to grow the ecosystem for this innovation across our region, looking starting with Australia and New Zealand. Um, we have various initiatives both to support the market entry of existing leaders but look at how we can play a key role in leveraging our pipeline of talent and our R&D infrastructure and our investment dollars to become another base for this innovation but, but for the Asia Pacific because there's very little happening down here at the moment. And so we're really putting the call out to anyone who's in business, investment, science, uh, food at the moment to join us on this journey uh, because there's, there's very, ex very exciting models that we're mm. exploring at the moment around new R&D, new capital investment uh, and, and kind of that, that consumer uh, food outlet piece as well, which, uh, yeah, I can't wait to come to, to fruition. I'm into all those things. Though. It's amazing, <laughs> I'll, man. I'll invest 20 bucks. <laughs> That's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I um, love it. We've got to uh, get you out of here at some point, my friend. So do you mind um, fielding three more questions very short and sharp from me? Three questions from Tommy? Go for it. All righty. Um, my first question is your favorite travel destination on the planet, somewhere that you've been, you recommend to everybody? Uh, I'd probably have to say Greenland. Greenland? Yeah. Cool. Uh, look, I love lots of different places for different reasons, but Greenland just had a magical energy about it it's mm -hmm. a fascinating part of the world and it is very untouched mm -hmm. um, you know there's kind of towns spotted around Greenland Greenland's fairly big mm. and you have to fly between there's no roads oh, yeah. um, uh, but it's yeah it, it's it's really spectacular cool I like it. I think we've had Greenland before, so yeah. that's good. Um, my second I don't think question, anyone's been to Greenland on the show. <laughs> uh, my second question is: Dream travel destination somewhere you've been that you absolutely somewhere you haven't been that is absolutely top of your bucket list. Uh, somewhere tropical and pristine. So either I haven't actually been. Well. I've been, <laughs> I've been to Queensland, but I haven't been very far up north. So yeah. either you've been to the Gold Coast? It's pretty nice <laughs> there. Yeah. Pretty pristine. Or, <laughs> yeah. or, or uh, just go to the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Bahamas yeah. is good. Yeah, Let's go to the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Queensland. Queensland. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I usually said the Bahamas, and then I think, well, yeah, we, we have some pretty impressive uh, you know, coastlines uh, up north in true. Australia. I'm heading so up there in two weeks. Can't. I'm heading up to uh, far north Queensland oh, nice. on a road trip with my dog. I'm very jealous. And then my final book... Can't get my words out my today. Final book. My final question is: Any book that you like to recommend to people can be any sort of book. Uh, I'll go with the one we were talking about before: "A New Earth" by Eckhart Tolle, or Tolle, depending yep. on uh, how Team you want to pronounce it. Team Tolle. I'm outvoted here. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I find his work quite fascinating. Uh, his kind of commentary on human psychology and behaviour mm -hmm. and spirituality, and and j just just the way he. Uh, kind of points out he has certain observations about the society in which we live and how ridiculous it is mm, it is absolutely <laughs> which we don't ridiculous. think about it because it's just so normalised yep. um, but 
yeah, he, uh, he, he, he really, um, he speaks about a lot that resonates with me pretty deeply. So I'd, I'd recommend people check out his work. Cool. Great. Lovely. Tommy? Uh, Tommy, uh, what's something you like to do when you have some spare time, when you have some downtime? Nothing too exciting. It's pretty. It's pretty boring. Like, doesn't, no, doesn't have to be exciting, my oh, friend. Look, look, I, in all honesty, I, I, you know, this year it's probably been mostly seventy, sometimes eighty-hour work weeks, and oh, yeah. so when I do get uh, downtime, it's it's either binging a series or in fact I watch a lot of um, Stephen Colbert's oh, yeah. uh, monologues. Mm-hmm. I find it. <laughs> Entertaining, but also a good way to set it up to date on uh, American politics without cutting mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Very good. So, uh, yeah, watch that. You know, Netflix, whatever else. Um, yeah, taking road trip, going out. I've got family out towards the Yarra Valley, so I like to nice go one. that way and um, catch up with them, see friends, you know, lots of social time. Eat some cheese. Um, dinners. <laughs> no, go to, go, go to Smith & Daughters on Brunswick Street and eat some of their... Yeah. Um, They've got some great cheese dishes, actually, that are, again, completely plant-based. Wow. And you feed it to a, a typical consumer and they, yeah. Wow. I've had friends who have been crazy. blown away by that's their sick. options. So, sure, I might go there. Um, yeah. Now that you're vegan. That's, yeah, now that I'm <laughs> vegan. Yeah. Pretty much it. All right. And um, finally, mate, uh, if you can invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, so they could be from long time gone or, you know, currently still living, uh, who would they be and why? Who would they be and why? This is the one question that you said three that I didn't think about. Yeah. That's uh, the toughest one as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's the toughest one. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, oh, look. Dinner with Elon Musk would be yeah. pretty interesting. He'd be on my table. He'd be on my table. Uh, the, the, the CEO of uh, uh, JBS, which is the... I don't know globally whether they're the biggest. They're based out of Brazil, but an enormous meat corporation. Ooh, interesting. So I'd like to down s- on him. Sit down. <laughs> no, sit down on him. Talk about how we can work together and how. Yeah. Like I said uh, earlier on, there've been a couple of big meat giants that have already invested in these technologies: Tyson Foods and Cargill in the US. And so, getting that 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 similar kind of investment happening globally it just makes sense. And so, yeah, sure. yeah. I'd be interested great. to sit down with him and uh, and chat about that. And then uh, someone, someone who can provide some entertainment, maybe <laughs> a comedian or a or an artist, um, Alicia Keys. Alicia yeah. Keys, yeah, very nice. Wow, that's I, two we've not had I, before. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I saw her in an interview she recently, and she actually, seems Alicia. like a cool chick. <laughs> yeah, she seems super down to earth, politically engaged, and she produces good good music. Yeah. So concrete jungle. Yeah. yeah. She, she can also be on my table, unless she yeah. <laughs> Well, this is not your time, Bill. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great, Tommy. Um, mate, uh, finally, last little thing, anything you want to plug? Um, something about maybe Food Frontier, your personal stuff as well. Where can people find you, mate? Yeah, I mean, if anyone's interested in what I've been speaking about, they can head to foodfrontier.org. Uh, we, again, are, are, are looking for allies and donors and potential staff or even volunteers we've got some research fellows at the moment who are helping helping professionals from various different fields who just want to donate some time every week uh, which is always really helpful or if you have kind of connections and insights into to different fields as well mm. uh, or different communities whether that be investment whether that be the food industry whether that be uh, you know the, the kind of consumer side hit us up great awesome Mate, before we go how old are you I'm 21. What? Fuck. Are you actually? <laughs> <laughs> Almost 22. Uh, I, I, when I, when I was, after your, 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 your thing, when I was looking, looking for your details, I was like, I, I, I remembered your name, I think, and I, I Googled it. Were you Young Australian of the Year, was it? Or you were nominated? Uh, yeah, I got, um, for Victoria. For yeah. Victoria, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, I Googled it and I was like, it made me feel horrible. Yeah, I feel. Um, you're an impressive. You're an impressive young man. Absolutely. I'm absolutely honoured for you to have come and had a chat to mm. us. Um, like I said, it's what you're doing is going to change the world in the most impactful way. 
there's nothing else that's going to change the world more. It's it's in, it's incredible. So thanks for coming on the show. I really and Tommy, appreciate in it. all seriousness, mate, I, and I'm being serious. I, I, I do joke a lot, but I feel like us, like with Bill, very privileged to say that. Now in 2018, you came on our show because <laughs> I wholeheartedly believe that five years down the track, you'll be getting on everyone's podcast. It's great. I really feel great. So yeah. The guy we had this morning was a Game of Thrones historian. To, 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 to tell you the level of uh, guests we've been having today, yeah. well, <laughs> one extreme to the other. He was, was the best. He, he was, was the, the best. best. Yeah. He was a legend. Yeah. But from one extreme to the other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's been a pleasure joining you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, the exciting thing is that we can all be part of this, this yeah, movement. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, can't wait to welcome more people Very along cool, man. the journey. Very cool. Awesome, Tully. Love well, it. Thanks for your time, brother. And uh, that's a wrap. Guys, we uh, very sincerely, sincerely, sincerely <laughs> hope that you uh, love that show. That was fantastic. Bill, thought it was eye-opening? Yeah, I thought it was a real open of the old arm ojos. Yeah, the old what, ojos. what specifically? Ojos. My left one was yep. more open than my right. Yeah, definitely. Um, yep. Probably because of the he- hemispherical, uh, obviously, production of the left hemisphere. Of course. Um, brain-wise, yep. you know, in, in terms of like, you know, brain stuff. Mental-wise. Yeah, 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 mental, yeah. mental I feel things. like I was hemispherically um, left-side orientated. Yes, yes, um, Therefore, yes. I was, you know, pixelating my eye more so on the left than, than on the right. And slightly... Palatable, would you say? <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I was eating. I was eating my eye. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What about your third eye? Yeah. Um, oh, look, I've been happy with the, the first two so far. They've been first doing me pretty well. Yep. Um, haven't opened the third, but yep. I'm looking at. I'm looking at the fourth and the fifth. Looking at the fourth. Yeah. Well, that's great, mate. And uh, look where you see yourself in uh, in, in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> uh, two weeks. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to be a, a regular housewife. Great. Twenty-five yeah, 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 great, yeah. Twenty-five thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Look, guys. Well, look. If you enjoyed this show, uh, or if you enjoyed this outro, yeah, these few. Yeah. <laughs> probably the best part of the show. Yeah. If you enjoyed this outro, exactly. Yeah. If you enjoyed the show, um, give it a little uh, review and rating. We still love reading your your iTunes uh, comments and reviews. We, I mean, we can't really read your reviews, but. Uh, we, you know, we, we enjoy seeing them. We haven't. I don't think we've ever had a one star. No, we. So haven't. if you want to be that person, no, no, definitely don't do that. Uh, give us a four e or a five e. Four's like. Give us a five e. 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 Yeah. yeah. Man, you need a four. Just give five. Yeah, that's right. What's one more? Give us a one or a five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, leave a little comment. One. I like uh, when Bill spoke about his dick eye, his third eye. Uh, so, dick eye. Yeah. So whatever, whatever you need. Um, Guys, uh, head to True, True Protein. Bill, you got the website down True there? TrueProtein.com.au. Excellent. 10% ADBF off. Is the, uh, is the code there. For 10% off all their products. Remember, they do have a vegan range as well, all you lovely plant-based uh, food eaters. Also, head to www.travel.com to get a little sneaky 10%er. Travel.com. Travel.com. www.travel.com. Take me back. www.adventure fittravel.com for a sneaky uh, 10% off there. Use the code word, Bill. Radio. Bang. Until next week, guys. Bye-bye.